Welcome to Beyond the Flight Deck podcast with United Airlines pilot and investment advisor, Alan Bewley, who will take you behind the scenes with airline pilot entrepreneurs, academics, and other professionals. And now, your host, Alan Bewley. Welcome to Beyond the Flight Deck. Sticking with the real estate theme, my guest, J.C. Sylvie, 787 First Officer and Real Estate Agent. J.C.'s start in real estate came as an appraiser in the early 2000s. After a few years, he realized there's much greater earning potential being a real estate agent. Now, he already had his foot in the door in the industry. He knew the real estate market, but was new to marketing himself as an agent. Now, although he struggled at first, digital marketing has enabled JC to quite literally become Mr. Loudoun County, Virginia. Through trial and error, JC has perfected the use of digital marketing and as a result has watched his business nearly double over the last several years. Throughout our conversation, JC offers excellent advice for anyone looking to get into real estate or current realtors looking to take marketing to the next level. Welcome beyond the flight deck. All right, so here we are, podcast number three. Today we got none other than JC Sylvie, uh, United 787 FO in Dulles, and real estate agent extraordinaire. JC, welcome <laughs> to Beyond the Flight Deck. Thanks for having me, uh, Alan. I guess that's what you're calling it, the flight deck? Yeah, Beyond the Flight Deck. That's cool. There, I like it. There is life <laughs> beyond the flight deck. So. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So, uh, real estate. Uh, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about you and uh, kind of how you got into the industry, uh, the challenges along the way, licensures, marketing, you know, so forth, so on. And, and the big question for all pilots trying to get into side hustles is how do you do the work-life balance? Right. So, so yeah. let's dive right in. Um, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What was life like growing up in the Sylvie household? You know, I, um, I, I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, you know, uh, Irish Catholic family north of Boston growing up. Um, we moved to uh, Pennsylvania when I was in high school. Um, you know, had a, had a great childhood, you know, but um, I never felt like um, we had uh, a lot of money. You know, I, you know, growing up, I don't think we consider ourselves wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. But I didn't know any different. I, I had a great childhood. It was a, a great experience. Um uh, went to um, the Naval Academy, um, graduated uh, 1988, uh, went to flight school down in Pensacola, flew uh, A6s um, uh, on Oceana and Virginia Beach uh, for um, about six years or so. So I, you know, my, my childhood was a great, great experience. I have, I have no regrets or uh, wants or, you know, no wants or needs or any of that kind of thing. It was, it was, uh, it, it was a good childhood, but my parents uh, did not have any uh, real estate experience, right? That wasn't part of the family. My, uh, my dad just um, loved airplanes and kind of instilled that love uh, of aviation in me as well. So that's where that came from. But the real estate part of it was not anywhere in the equation there. Yeah. What uh, did your dad fly or was he, was he just had a fascination with airplanes or your mom? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he was, um, you know, chasing the airline dream back in the, you know, late sixties, early seventies, when there was a lot of uh, Vietnam war guys coming out and, um, 
you know, he was just always one step behind that airline job, you know, as the, you know, in, in the beginning it was, you know, they're probably hiring guys with 200 hours assessment mm-hmm. time and it just slowly got harder and harder. And he was just trying to work his way up from, you know, doing like a lot of time as a CFI. Uh, and then he just got out of it really, um, you know, it sold medical equipment for general electric uh, cat scans and stuff like that. Um, but he loved airplanes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So it sounded, he was right behind my dad. He was a 65 hire at United and it was before and after my dad's time that they were chasing those 200 hour guys, but then it all went away yeah. in the sixties. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Are your parents still alive? Uh, my dad is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Is he near you or is he in, uh, he's in, uh, he's in Pittsburgh still. Yeah. He's uh, quarantining for COVID. He's petrified of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his age group is definitely uh, up there in the risk factor. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, was there any, uh, flying between the Navy and United or did you come right out of the Navy? Yeah. I got super lucky, right? I got hired in 96 at United and it's funny. I, um, I had an in with FedEx. Uh, I, um, my uh, in-laws uh, knew the chief pilot or the former chief pilot of FedEx back then. And he said, Hey, listen, we're ready to go. Um, you know, we can, I can get you on, you know, just get your ATP, blah, blah, blah. So I jumped through hoops uh, like crazy to get that happen. I just had uh, twin boys. They're, you know, you know, less than a year old living down in Virginia beach. Um, I dropped my letter in the Navy Um resigned my commission and uh, as soon as I had everything ready and I, I was on my way out the door um, you know that uh, FedEx guy said yeah we're putting guys in a, a pool for a couple of years so uh, I scrambled you know I'm thinking holy crap I've got you know two little babies I don't have a job I've got nothing you know no prospects or anything like that <laughs> Um, but I got hired at United. Thank God. You know, I got, I got really lucky in 96. So. Well, a Naval Academy guy, I'm not going to call that luck. Uh, well, getting the United, but timing was good. It, it worked out. Yeah. The timing was good. Okay. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and did you guys stay in Virginia beach or where, where'd you guys end up? You know, I moved back to Pennsylvania when I first got hired, I lived there for about a year. And then, um, moved um uh to leesburg virginia which uh, i'm in the same house that i i I moved to back in 97 uh my you know i paid a a whopping two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the house that i'm living in right now and my dad said that i lost my friggin' mind paying that much money for a house um but it uh it all worked out (laughs) so well, I mean, he did know the airline industry, right? So yeah, getting yeah. a $200,000 mortgage in his mind as an airline pilot was just crazy. So I, I, yeah. I, I get that yeah. Yeah. because he paid $30,000 for his. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you and I are hired right about the same time, literally right yeah. about the same time. Uh, and so our first five years were, you know, it was unicorns and rainbows, right? It was fantastic. Uh, you guys are living in Leesburg. You're living close to Dulles. So uh, were you based in D.C. right away? You know, I, I flew out of uh, Kennedy for a little bit. I took a bit on the 67 initially to Kennedy, did some really cool flying there. I thought that was great flying. Did that United 1, United 2 flight around the world and 
you know, kind of yeah. meeting in uh, Delhi, which was a, an experience right. to say the least. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good flying out of Kennedy back in the day. Some cool transcons. I was only there a year, and then it got uh, lateral down to DC, and I've been I've been here ever since. You know, and so it's it's been a it's been a good uh, good career overall. Obviously, Alan, you, you we both have lived through the ups and downs of it, um, but I wouldn't complain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so was your venture into real estate 9-11 based? Was it well after 9-11? Kind of walk us through that time frame. We, we all remember waking up and were you flying on 9-11? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was on a 757 out of Baltimore um, to LA and um, we ended up in Chicago and I was stuck in that Chicago uh, Hilton Hotel right there uh, on, on the field. Wow. for like five days. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I'm like, Holy crap. I, like who's going to survive this, right? What airlines going to survive this? So um, I, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. Yeah. I knew I had to do something. Um, I liked real estate. I had a buddy who uh, was actually doing appraisals here and I just jumped into that like really quick. And that was like, that's a long process. That's a little bit different than getting a real estate license. I had to do 2000 hours of apprentice time with, with this guy who was signing off all my appraisals and basically being, you know, a typical apprentice, you know, you're not really making any money. You're just doing it for the experience, but it was kind of a, a lousy experience. You know, he wasn't yeah. a very good mentor or somebody that, you know, and I could end up trusting in the long run, unfortunately. Yeah. He just wanted your labor really. He just wanted my labor. Yeah. It took me, it took him maybe a month to get me up to speed where I could do an appraisal by myself. And at that point for the next, you know, two years, he just, he made 400 bucks a pop on every appraisal I did, yeah. you know, and he paid me like, well, actually he didn't pay me anything. He was supposed to pay me a hundred bucks an appraisal, but he never paid me a penny, you know, and he just, he just reneged on that deal. But yeah. uh, anyways, it, it all worked out. You know, I, I, I got my license and I jumped right into that and building a client base. And I just, I had never built a business before. I didn't know how to, the only thing I knew how to do is hustle. Right. Yeah. And probably like you, as far as when you first started trying to get clients, how do you do it? Well, you just got to walk in and start talking to people. Right. You a lot of people to coffee, a lot of people to lunch. I, I go through the paper and find out these, you know, my clients at that point were mortgage brokers, right. Um, who had appraisals because they really had the control there. Were, you know, these days it's a, you know, it's a, 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 most appraisers are on a panel, a group of appraisers that are a part of a, um, a portal and it's pretty random who gets what, right. You know, after the market crash, sure. you know, seven, but back then, um, a broker, you could say, Hey, you know, here's the appraisal. I just give it to me. Right. right. So right. that relationship was really important, really big. So, uh, was there, a uh, a, a- test you had to take in addition to the 2000 hours to become an appraisal. We'll kind of look at the appraisal business for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a test. It was a, a lot more difficult than, um, getting a real estate license. You know, that test is pretty mindless. I think, um, I, I put in some time for that test. It's not a straightforward test. And, you know, from what I hear about 50% of people don't pass it the first time, but, um, 
you know, just putting a lot of time into that. And then obviously the, the apprentice time, Yeah, you know, the 2000 hours. So with the appraisal business back then, um, there was no wall between the realtor and the appraisal, which became a problem, right? Uh, yeah. During the, the housing boom is that appraisals were just coming in at whatever, hey, the sales price is this. So can you get us an appraisal at that kind of thing? Or even worse, you know, the, you know, the, the sales are, are pretty straightforward because I could kind of feel confident that it was the market dynamics working, right? Yeah. If it was exposed to the market and I knew people came in and looked at it and bid on it and there was a meeting of the minds between the buyer and the seller. Right. I felt pretty good about that value. I had issues with uh, refis mm-hmm. and I had a lot of uh, brokers say, I need this number. Mortgage brokers. Mortgage brokers. Yeah. yeah. Not real estate brokers or realtors. There's more brokers. You know, they wanted the refi deal. Yeah. And that was where I kind of ran into a, a lot of shady characters in the business. And, you know, I, I still have my United job, right? I never lost it. I never got furloughed. Um, so I didn't need these appraisals to feed my family or to make my mortgage payment, right? So I was lucky. I could tell them no. You know, and I lost a lot of clients that way. You know, I, I never got another, you know, when I would tell them no, that business was done yeah. over. Right. Yeah. Was, so yeah. the last interview we did with, I did with Chris Arnick with Prime Rate Mortgage, he explained to us how the time that you're talking about with, with these mortgage brokers was, was pre 05 before yeah. licensure requirements even came to be in, in the mortgage broker business. So it truly was the wild west. And so yeah. this is interesting because you're showing us the flip side of that, of how those mortgage brokers were really in so many ways, not acting in the most scrupulous of ways. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So uh, that's interesting. You're, you're able to kind of start getting some center of, centers of influence as an appraiser and, and some contacts, some networking as an appraiser. And so at what point, I guess, other than doing thousands of appraisals, hundreds of appraisals with no pay, at some point you're like, hey, I need to start getting paid for this. Or like, how would that, how did that transition happen? Well, and when was that? If you can remember when yeah, you made so that. Yeah, so probably back in 2003, 2004. I, you know, I spent a couple of years as an apprentice with him. But as soon as I got my 2000 hours, I was out. I was out the door. He was, I was done with him. I, I didn't need him for anything um, other than, you know, if I wanted, you know, he wanted me to stay and still be as, you know, one of his workers, but I'm like, I, I don't ever want to see you again. Right. Um, are, are the real quick, are the, do you know, is the same requirements for an appraiser? Or is it the same thing today as it was then it's same test 2000 hours, but now they just, it's a different way of getting a job. Uh, yeah, they, um, it's a lot more difficult now because back then, um, you know, he could allow me to do the appraisal by myself. I could inspect it. I could write it. All he had to do is review it mm-hmm. and sign his name, right? Well, after the crash, right, and they revamped everything, there are very few lenders these days who are going to accept a trainee's appraisal report, right? So in order to train a, an appraiser these days, that guy has to really be like on, on, on the spot with him the whole time, right? I mean, he can, the trainee can put his name to it, 
but the appraiser signing for it has to do the inspection, you know, has to, has to really do most of it. And, and if that's the case, there's very little incentive for anybody to take a trainee. You know, there's just no upside to it. Right. Yeah. So these, um, these days it's a, you know, usually it's a, a family member that gets trained or a good friend. Like I trained a good friend of mine, you know, United, um, I didn't have an issue with him doing it. That was fine. Um, but it, these days it's, yeah, it does. It, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one. Cause he's got to do the work anyway. He or she. Yeah, he's crazy, do, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's got to do the work. He's like, if I'm going to do the work, why am I going to, why am I going to split it with you? Yeah. Unless yeah. you're looking to, unless you've got a firm and you want to sell it, it may be a succession plan. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So now let's, uh, let's roll you into real estate. So kind of give us how that transition happened. Yeah. You know, um, when I'm doing appraisals that the client is the bank, the client is not the person borrowing the money, which a lot of people, a lot of people borrow money, think that, Hey, they have a right to know everything about it. Well, they don't, right. It's the banks, it's the bank's appraisal. They decide what they're going to do with it. Um, so the bank, none of these banks wanted me to talk to any of these people about what is going on with the market about how to make improvements or what would be good or bad ROI, you know, positive, negative, that kind of thing. I just felt like I had a lot to offer, right? There's no barriers to entry, right? Like it's so easy to become a real estate agent and because it's so easy um, and there's the perception that the job is easy, you've got hundreds of thousands of people doing it, right? And you've got the National Association of Realtors who um, a big lobbying group that we all have to be a member of, right? Like we don't have a choice, right? In order for me to have access to the MLS, I have to be a member of the National Association of Realtors. They're, in my opinion, they're, their motivating factor is dues collection, right? I mean, a thousand bucks from every realtor and there's hundreds of thousands of them. They don't do it. They don't do us any favors. You know, it's, um, you know, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the realtors. Yeah. And that's probably like, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most. So what uh, you mentioned barriers to entry. So uh, someone, you know, who's sitting at home all last year getting paid 35 hours or 55 hours or 70 hours to do nothing uh, or 60 something. uh, What do they need to do? What's the best first step into getting into this? You know, the test is super easy. The, the, the hours and the test, you know, get your license. That doesn't teach you how to build a business and really the success in this is just learning how to build a business. And that's totally different, right? That has nothing to do with real estate, really. Right. That has to do with the skills of meeting people and convincing them that you have value, you have knowledge that they need and being perceived as the market expert. Like they need you. Right. Right. Not like they can, it's a commodity. And unfortunately, a lot of people feel it's a commodity, like anybody's going to do like, Hey, a friend of a friend or my cousin Vinny, or, you know, my uncle who does want, you know, and they're usually people who do one or two deals a, a year. Yeah. And they're not very good, but a lot of people feel a real estate agent is a commodity. And, and that's the challenge. If you want to build a business, 
you cannot be a commodity. You've got to be someone that people seek out because you know more than anybody else. Yeah. And that um, takes time. So if you've got, yeah. So um, just kind of back to the test real quick. Uh, is Do you have to get sponsored to take that or can anybody just jump online or go to a testing center? Okay. Like, yeah. where, where do you find that? Yeah, yeah, online. There's there's all kinds of online schools. There's all kinds of in-person schools that you'll go to a couple nights a week. You know, I just did the online class. I just cranked it out in like a week. Okay. Took the class, um, uh, took the test at the end of it. And then you, at that point, then you find a broker, right? Here in Virginia, there's real, there's real estate agents and then there's brokers. All the agents have to be associated with a broker who basically, um, you know, holds the license, you know, for liability reasons and so forth. Okay. So, you know, you've got to find the broker who's a good fit for you. Yeah. So that, so that, that's probably the biggest question because you mentioned, you know, an agent, although you're, you know, an agent, you are your own business, really. You're working underneath a broker, but if you want to succeed at this, like you said, you've got to understand the market, you've got to understand people and you've got to have the people skills, networking ability. Um, so when somebody wants to get into this, yeah, finding the broker kind of that's right for them, is that important? Sure. Um, how important is that versus just the, the person getting into it, developing these skills you and I are talking about? I mean, a lot of these things can't be taught. Some can, some cannot. A lot are personality based. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, some brokers are better at teaching and, and cultivating uh, new clients to get them to the point where they understand what it's going to take to build a business and others aren't right. Others cater more towards agents. You already get it. Right. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm associated with compass compass only hires agents in, in Loudoun County with who do more than $10 million of business a year. Right. So that that cuts out a vast majority of the agents. They're not uh, an agency that you're going to jump into and expect to uh, be taught all the time. Right. Um, they just don't want, um, you know, people who aren't serious and who aren't good. Right. Where there's other, you know, like Keller Williams, I think they probably do a pretty good job training you know, people, I mean, jumping into that brokerage, they've got training programs and they kind of cultivate young um, or new agents, that kind of thing. Um, but in the end, it's going to come down to you, right? Like, I think you can succeed in probably just about any brokerage you jump into if you want to do the work. Yeah. You just got to find one that will take you as a new agent. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, I just passed the test. I do want to get into this. I do want to grow a business. And if you, if they walked in the compass, they would say, call us back when you've grown a book and you've got a client base and okay. Uh, yeah. So there's going to be some that will take you some that won't. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of fit. It sounds like go find yeah. the culture that you think is going to cultivate your ability to grow uh, and understand the business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Find, finding the right fit. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's I, what I would say is, these people that want to get into this, you need to go interview brokers. You're, you're, yeah. you know, they think they're interviewing you, but in your <laughs> yeah. mind, you need to be interviewing them, feeling them out if they're going to be a good influence for you and good helping you. Because you know, if you succeed, they may not care if you stay. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. You're definitely interviewing them. 
You know, I mean, they want to see what kind of person you are, but man, you've got a lot of options. I mean, just because you're new doesn't mean that you, you can't interview them. Right. Right. Like, um, in the end, they want to bring in more agents and they want agents to be successful and that's how they're going to make money. Yeah. Off, off your split. Right. Right. So what is that industry? Is there an industry norm for the agent broker split? Does it vary on how big a deal you do? Does it start out, you get a lower payout as you're getting started? What's, how does that typically look? Yeah, most, um, uh, most of them are uh, 75, 25, you know, 80, 20 uh, for, for new agents in the beginning. Um, if they are giving you leads, right. If they're handing you, um, uh, a name and a phone number to say, Hey, this person is interested in either buying or selling. Now you've got to go convert them. Um, that's just a basic lead. If they're, if they're providing you leads, a lot of times it's 50, 50, right. Cause they, cause you wouldn't have that person to talk to unless he, unless they gave it to you. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then as you build your own book, that payout starts increasing. Yeah. Um, okay. So fairly standard for someone not to be afraid to walk into a bigger firm that's willing to train people and has some leads to get half a payout on initial deals. If they hand them the lead, um, yeah. you should expect you know, growing towards something higher. As they yeah, and if you bring in, you might be on a leads program where they're giving you leads, but if you bring in your own deal, you'll probably get a bigger split yeah. out of your own deal. And so it could be on a deal for deal basis, not so much how long you've been there, how much business yeah. you're doing, but a deal for deal basis. That's fair. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It is. Okay. Interesting. Um, what have you, uh, so one thing I, I do know about you just from social media is that you've done a really good job promoting Loudoun County. I mean, you do a lot of things to promote businesses around Loudoun County and show how it's a great place to live. Um, what other, so before this, before Facebook, Twitter, whatever got to be really big, what kind of stuff are you doing early on? Uh, you know, you had the advantage of being in the appraisal business. So at least you got a network, right? Really right. important. Not so much just customer network, but network of people in the industry, mortgage, other appraisers, real estate agents, so forth. Uh, where do you think you struggled early on with, with, with business development, where do you think you succeeded early on? And uh, cause social media wasn't really a thing when you guessed, when you and I both got started in our businesses. Yeah. So the uh, appraisal business, I didn't have to market. I didn't do any marketing, right? It was, it was a business that I built by cold calling brokers, taking them to lunch, having a beer and developing those relationships. Right. Um, when I got into, when I got my real estate license, um, I was doing both, right? And I wasn't really all in on selling real estate. I had the license, I do a few deals here and there, but I didn't jump all into it, right? I was still doing a lot of appraisals. And it didn't take me, you know, it, it, I was forced to really decide, I feel. Like I had to go all in at some point on the real estate business because I just wasn't putting in the time. And if you're not putting in the time, you're not going to do the business. So, you know, that was probably about five years ago and social media was starting, you know, to become popular and that kind of 
content marketing kind of thing was just starting out in the beginning. And I, I thought there was, you know, my value proposition was the appraisal business, the understanding of the market, um, which was good, but I needed to be better. Right. I felt like the market here in Northern Virginia selling expensive homes, you know, in my opinion, you know, not, you know, multi-million, but they were, you know, six, seven, 800, sometimes a million dollars. That's a, that's a lot of money in the marketing that the typical agent was doing here was just horrible. I mean, they put a sign up, they put on the MLS and that was it. I'm like, there's gotta be a way, a better way of doing this. And that, and those guys like in, in LA and New York, you know, the big markets, Miami, I mean, they were like being creative and doing things outside the box and because they had big numbers, but I, I figured that, that, that strategy could work here. Right. I mean, the numbers are big enough here that I could spend mm-hmm. a couple grand, right. Yeah. Marketing a house. If the commission was 15 grand. Yeah. Especially right. because after, because you're talking 2015, 16, which is well into the recovery after the, the financial crisis and the yeah. housing bust. So home values were coming back pretty strong. So, all right. So what are some of these things that you have started doing? And I'll let you explain. I've seen some of your stuff on social media, but some of the tools and, and te- technical stuff that you started using. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're involved in sales and you know that, um, the key is always get people to know you, like you, trust you, right? If you can get somebody down that funnel, mm-hmm. they're a client, right? But that is hard to do. It's easy to do face to face over time, but it's hard to scale, right? Video allows you to scale that. <clears throat> and I just went all in on video. I just started shooting a ton of video, right? At, at first it sucked. It was on my phone, like Facebook live, you know, I'd have these really basic um, editing software programs. It was just bad video, right? But nobody else was doing it over time. It gets better and better, but that was the way I could scale the business. That's the way I could scale who I was to the point where I go into a listing presentation. I don't have to, spend an hour getting them to know me and like me, right. Or building rapport. Like even when you go into meet, meet somebody, right. You're, you're probably like, Hey, Alan, you know, that's a pretty, those are pretty cool pictures in the background there. You're a pilot. Oh, you know what? I'm a pilot too. You know, I've got a picture in my background in my office. Like, tell me about you flying airplanes. And all of a sudden, before we, I pitch, right. Me and you were talking about airplanes and me and you see eye to eye, like with a lot of things. Um, we kind of feel like there's, there's rapport, right. right? That's, that just takes time. Right. So when I go into these listing presentations, I don't have to really worry about that so much because most of them have seen video of me like a lot. Right. And they, and they, always or not always but most of the time say hey jc you know what we already know who you are we we know what you're about and what you can do we're here just to sign the paperwork right like let's like find out what the house is worth you know give us some pointers but we know we're going to work with you because we know you yeah know them from adam right i've never met them before right and that can be scary because you don't know what kind of client you're getting into right 
but but you know usually attract people that yeah. like, are like you you know yeah. not always you know we've all had clients that are like oh my god yeah where'd that come from yeah, what have i done here um, done? so the it, most interesting thing i've seen about your facebook feed is that I mean, quite truly, you are Mr. Loudoun County. Uh, you really push and promote local businesses and lifestyle in Loudoun County. Not just, I've seen your listings too with, you know, great video and drone footage and all that stuff. I mean, realtors are doing that. You kind of showed me, I think a year ago, I sent you, you know, a friend of mine here sells multi-million dollar, huge, you know, we're talking 30 acre farms in, in Albemarle County around Charlottesville for yeah. you know, $10 million dollars. And, and I remember sending you one of those uh, kind of his drone footage and you're like, that's it. You're just going to take video of a house. What they need is, you know, the kids playing in the yard, you know, cooking in the kitchen, living in the living room, turn, make the house come alive. That's the kind of stuff that I, I don't see anyone doing, but you, but also back to the promoting your, your local community. Um, how much do you think that's helped you, you know, build, uh, kind of a rapport of, of clientele and other centers of influence? Well, it's been huge, right? And when I first started it, there's a lot of people who didn't understand it, right? Even people in marketing, you know, like, well, what, what's the, what's the end game of this inside loud and platform? Like, why do you do this? Like people would say, do you want to run for mayor? Are you trying to run for office or, and when people were saying that, I was like, well, I don't want to run, but I want to think, I want them to think that I am the mayor, yeah. right? I don't want to be the mayor, but I want to be perceived as someone like the mayor, who's the big proponent of the town or the county, right? And I don't know if you've ever watched um, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Mm -hmm. Um He's a digital marketing guy. He, you know, he started, you know, on the cutting edge of YouTube. He had like a wine, you know, his dad's wine shop back right when YouTube was started. He started a YouTube channel about wine library. You know, he's just a young kid, right? But now he, now he, he runs this multi-billion dollar ad agency and he's just on the cutting edge of digital marketing, right? But what he said, you know, years ago is like, you need to become the digital mayor of your town. That's, you don't sell anything. You don't pitch anything. You were just showing why this is a great place to live. You're not trying to sell a home on that, on those programs or those platforms, but just be putting out content that people want to engage with. Now, everybody wants to know where the brewery is, the wine shop is, the coffee shop, the new restaurant, you know, whatever it is. I mean, people are always going to watch that. They're not always going to watch me and you sitting here saying, yeah, I think you should buy a home for me because, right. you know, I'm a great guy or I know, you know, the market's doing this, this, and this. They're like, yeah, go away. I'm not on the platform to see that. I'm in the, I'm on the platform to be an engaged on be, to be engaged, right. To be entertained. Right. So I have to entertain them in a way. And by entertaining, they get to know me. Right. And they watch the video. Now I retarget them with my listening video. Right. Yeah. Like I, you know, I can capture their pixel. I can create an audience on Facebook. That's just the people that watched my restaurant video. And there might be 10,000 of them who now know my face and know that 
I live in Leesburg and I'm really excited about these restaurants. And now I throw them a listing video when that, well, now that listing video carries a lot more weight, right? Um, Cause they've already seen me do something else and they're a little bit more likely to watch it a little bit longer. So it's a strategy that has to be combined, right? Like it, you just can't always be putting out restaurant videos. At some point you've got to show them what you're doing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've put out video commentary for years um, and, you know, shameless promotion, my practice, United Wealth Management sponsors this, this uh, podcast right here. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm hoping this podcast, not just this interview, but all of them are something of value. Uh, and Oh, by the way, don't forget guys, I've been managing peer apps and doing financial planning for 16 plus years. So, yeah. yeah. So you've got to, you've got to, without being obnoxious, throw in your pitch for your, for what you do. But I, it's, it's been really interesting to watch your, your feed kind of evolve over time and take the approach. Um, is there a way to quantify your results? I mean, is there a way for you to look at other realtors in your area that aren't doing what you're doing, but have been doing this the same amount of time? I mean, is there a way for you to know, or, or is it just personal satisfaction that financially and professionally you're where you are now and you like where you are and where you're heading? You know, it's hard to quantify uh, social media, digital advertising, marketing. That's it. it, it the, my goal is to be omnipresent, right? Like no matter where they are, they see me, mm -hmm. right? Um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you know, I'll even do some print, right? I'll do, I'll put out letters, you know, marketing report letters, right? So it's just a con, you know, and it's very concentrated, right? Cause I couldn't afford, nobody can afford to do it all over Northern Virginia. So I just pick Loudoun County and I bombard that with as much content and in as many platforms as I can. Now, I don't know where the deals come from. I can't pinpoint them. It's really hard. I'll ask them like, Hey, well, why did you call me? Like, well, I just see you. Yeah. I just see you all over the place. Right. It seemed, you know, it seems like you're, you know, you are the guy that I need to hire. You're plugged like, in here. And they can't pinpoint it. Right. Um, so that's fine. That's okay with me. You know, I, when I started, you know, I, I took my business from doing 10 million a year and I started doing digital advertising, you know, content marketing, that's what I'll call it. Right. Um, and I doubled, you know, I went to 20 million. Yeah. You know, so there's uh, some verifiable results for you right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, you are still an agent, right? You still yeah. work with Compass. Why don't you start your own brokerage? Well, if you don't want to hire other agents, for example, and you still just want to be JC and, and only JC, is it worthwhile trying to become a broker? How hard is that? What's your thought process there? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any desire to be a broker. I mean, that's like a lot of liability. That's like a lot of back office stuff that... Um, you know, compliance issue, liability issues. Um, that isn't something I need to do, you know, I don't, or I want to do. Um, I do want, you know, my son works for me, just started working for me, he's 25. You know, I would like for him to do more of it at some point. So the business is his and I, you know, I take a, I take a cut of it. 
Yeah. You know, in my retirement and maybe play a small part in the business. Um, but yeah, up until this point, you know, it's, it's, it's me. Right. Um, and that's, and people say, well, then you're, you're just on the rat race. And I guess in a way I, I am in a little bit, and unless you can scale it to the point where you can walk away from it, it's really not a business, right? Like if I walk away from it, it's done. Yeah. Right. It doesn't keep rolling and rolling. Right. So technically it's not a business, you know, it's just me selling stuff, selling. Yeah. Right. Um, do you have a separate LLC, just your own LLC? Um, and, and then you just, does, do you hold the real, the agent license of your LLC? Uh, and how does that relationship work with compass with your broker? Yeah. The, um, you know, compass holds the license. Um, but I am paid, uh, as an, as an S corp. Okay. You know, I've got an LLC that's set up and, and that's where the paid, you know, all my commissions are paid into that and all the, um, and all my, um, expenses and stuff like that. I'll, you know, keep that separate. And that just, you know, that took a couple years to get straight. Um, uh, but it made life so much easier and, yeah. you know, I feel a lot more comfortable with it now knowing that it's totally separate. Yeah. So if, um, if someone gets into this, they're basically just going to be a 1099 employee typically of the broker uh, or just contract 1099. Yep. So they need to start paying quarterly as they start building, start building. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Right, so, uh, yeah. Which is tough for some people, right? Like, yeah, they yeah. Don't, you know, big tax bill at the end of the year, like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and maybe a penalty if you, if you haven't withheld enough. And, to, and you to, haven't withheld, withheld, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, what uh, do you have any personal professional liability insurance that you buy? Do you get it or do you just fall underneath the broker's umbrella? I fall under, yeah, they buy it for me and I pay for it basically. Okay. Um, but yeah, errors and emissions, you know, if I, you know, something, a big mistake happens and I need to disclose something or, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of different things that could happen. I've never had an issue like that, but there are, you know, insurance policy in place. But the broker typically takes care of that, takes care of that and you, you pay them back. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you envision this with your, with your son? He, um, I mean, would you consider at that point becoming a broker and having him as an agent and you as an agent or still same deal? It doesn't really matter as long as you guys are still doing what you're doing, marketing, doing what you're doing um, compliance wise and it doesn't matter. And I assume that the, the more you make over time, the less compass is, is taken from you. Yeah. Comp you know, I'm on a 90, 10 split. Right. And I, you know, there are brokerages out there that, you know, will, will let me keep just about all of it and maybe pay $500 a transaction. So I, you know, I could be making way more, but it's just the perception, you know, compass does things, you know, at a higher level, you know, their marketing and digital ads and their design that I've got access to are just head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, you know, just that having that brand, I never thought about having a brand behind my brand, but it's actually a pretty powerful one compass, at least in Northern Virginia and helping me um, market, you know, with the big team, like, you know, my marketing is this like, what do I think works? Right. But they'll like, I'll give them an idea and man, they'll come back with something like really cool, you know, that I can, 
that I can use on my platforms that I could never create myself. Yeah. So just as an example, your business card, is it JC Sylvie, Sylvie group, and then the compass logo on there as well? What, what, okay. Yeah. So it all looks yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So one, one, one thing we haven't touched on, but you and I have discussed before and what I've found intriguing because with me, the reason I have these behind me is because every one of my clients is an active or retired United <laughs> pilot, including yeah. my dad, who's 82 years old, retired 22 years. Yeah. Um, most of us that know you well, have flown with you a lot. Uh, we know that you sell real estate. Um, but the people in Loudoun County, non-airline related people in, in Loudoun County and the people you serve there, they don't know you have two jobs. Um, I, I understand why, I think, why they don't know. Would, would it have benefited you, you think, or do you think it would, it would be to your detriment to let that cat out of the bag? I'm not sure. Like I, like I don't hide it. I don't think that's fair for me to hide it. So I do post, you know, when I'm in Zurich or I'm on a, you know, when I got done with seven seven school, I posted a picture of a cockpit or, you know, there are times where I'm out flying with a friend or something like that, or, um, on my son's jump seat who works for SkyWest or something like that. So I'll never hide it, but I'm not, I'm not sure if promoting it is the best strategy and maybe Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe that would help my business. I'm not sure. Um, but I think most people want to know that I'm available night and day. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't want them worrying that um, if I'm on a layover, they can't reach me. And so when I talk about it, if someone says, yeah, well, you know, how does this work with you being at United? And um, you know, in the past, it's worked really good. You and I were super senior in the 767. And, um, you know, we left on um, for Europe Monday night at five. We would get into Europe Tuesday morning. You and I would crank out a full day of work on our phones and our computer at some executive lounge someplace yeah. on Tuesday. would wake up on Wednesday morning. would be home Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. So it's very little time that we were not available to our clients. Um, you know, our phones rang just fine over in Europe. Yeah. You know, the internet's awesome. You know, anybody can email us. Um, you know, it's just not that big of a deal. And, it, um, but I don't know if I want to like actually say, Hey, listen, I'm the, I'm the airline pilot realtor and loud. I'm not sure if I want to go down that road or not. Yeah. I, I think you're smart. Uh, when I got into investments after 9-11, January of 2002, I went to work for a bank uh, in the investment banking side of things. And we were selling big blocks, multi-million dollar blocks of bonds to banks around the Southeast. And there were 25 brokers, investment salesmen calling on these banks, trying to sell them bonds. Um, and But it, it, it was my advantage though, that when I walked through the door, I was the one airline pilot and bond guy. Uh, because it, it's not like your business. You're, you're as much as an advisor and a consultant, even though you're transactional, you're commission-based, you're still as much as a consultant. And that's the way, that's the approach I took working with these banks. But still, what did make me stand apart is I went to Paris over the weekend yeah. when the other brokers went to the lake. You know yeah. what I mean? In your business, uh, I, I tend to agree with you that because you are as much a consultant to your, to your clients as you are, a salesperson, I think you're probably smart. Um, but what I haven't seen from you is really marketing towards us, 
towards the United Pilot Group. Is that something that you, let's say someone wants to get into this and they live in Chicago or Houston or San Francisco or somewhere, um, would you recommend that as a good place to start from building a client base? Sure. Yeah. I mean, my, my best clients are airline pilots who move to the area, right? Um, because they become, fr- I mean, they're most likely like me, yeah. right? And they become friends. And so I, you know, I've, you know, there's probably a handful of them that live here in Leesburg or Loudoun County that, you know, I'll go out and have dinner with and have beers with or whatever, and we become friends. But, um, you know, that just happened, you know, through word of mouth, right? Like um, somebody's flying on the guppy, um, you know, with somebody that knows that I'm an agent and goes, yeah, I'm thinking about moving to Dulles, uh, Loudoun County. Like, oh, you, you know, you got to call JC. JC knows everything about Loud. So they'll just call me up and go, hey, listen, I got your name from, you know, I was flying with this captain or this FO or whatever. <clears throat> you know, we'll meet for a beer and all of a sudden it, it works out. So I think it's a great place to build business. I just, I've just never been in, well, just like you, you're like, you're in that cockpit for a lot of hours with somebody, a captive, a captive audience. You have to be very careful how you're going to pitch it. Right. Like I'll never pitch it. Like, yeah. I mean, eventually some will know that I I'm an agent and if they want to talk to me about the market, that's great. But it's never like, I'll never hand them my card. Like, Hey, like, Hey, well, if you know anybody, I just don't want to be that guy. I, I, I did that in 2004 when I left the banking side of things and went to the retail side, but it was only captains that I knew well. It's yeah. for a long time. I was on the six, seven in New York and just kind of started bringing up to some of the people I knew well. And those ended up being my first clients. And, and it was their word of mouth that really helped grow it. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, I'm with you. There's, you can, that's too much of a captive audience, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, it'd be interesting to see if you one day, you know, with your son at SkyWest or whatever, maybe you guys do start kind of rolling into the, you know, push or at least marketing more using the digital marketing and, and rolling it towards the, the pilot group. But I mean, you've done an amazing job. Uh, you know, I don't go on, I have to force myself on Facebook but when I do, you're usually there and it's not usually United related. It's usually some, you know, some, you with a owner of a brewery or something like that or yeah. something kind of cool. So, yeah, you know, I, um, I despise Facebook, you know, probably just as much as you do. Um, but for a marketing tool, it's the best thing that's ever been invented by far. I mean, you can, you can, and you should, if you have, and you should say you, every, every one of your clients, you should be, you should have a Facebook lit, you know, put them in a, a unique group and you can segment those people and, and every, you know, every day get the notifications from your clients. And the reason why people put things on Facebook is they want people to see it. Right. They don't do it because they don't want people to comment on it. Right. So if one of your clients was this in Hawaii and you pull up like and you're going through Facebook and you see them like, you know, they're they're like they would love it if you comment. I'm like, hey, you know, Alan, that looked like an awesome vacation. Where'd you stay? And then like, oh, yeah, we stayed at this, you know, and, and that, you know, is this another touch point for you? Right. We all talk about how often do you touch 
yeah. you know, these touch points, right? Like right. how many times can you engage with them? And they, you know, 30, 40 times a year, that's like a lot. But if one of them is like, if you can get roll in that Facebook engagement, that's, I mean, that's like super easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just one, one or two last questions here. Um, what, what warnings do you have, um, you know, for people getting into real estate, what, what can be a pitfall? What can be a, Hey, don't get sucked in by this kind of marketing or this kind of, you know, is there, I know it's, it's been a lot more regulated from the mortgage standpoint, like you talked about before the appraisal standpoint, what may be some pitfalls or road bumps people need to kind of look out for? You know, it's, um, it's, it's just a grind, right? It's a hard business to break into. Um, you know, there's so many people jump into it, think they, all right, have my license. I'm going to post the sign, you know, I'm going to, you know, post this Facebook post like, Hey, I'm a realtor. Give me a call nobody's going to give you a call. Right. I mean, you might do a couple here and there, but to build a business, it's just a grind and it just takes a lot of work. It's in a lot of years, right. Uh, over and over and over again. So um, I, I wouldn't jump into it unless you were ready to work hard. Right. Cause it won't be easy. And the other thing I, I would not do is I would not get in the business of buying leads right? You can buy leads from Zillow or Trulia or realtor.com. And what you're doing is you're just, you're just competing, you know, cause they're selling them to a lot of other people. You're not the only one who gets it. Right. So now it's a race to try to contact that person within a minute. And then you've got to try to convert them. Right. And they don't know you from Adam. They don't have any loyalty to you. You don't even know where they came from. All they did is like they put their contact information on a portal signing sheet. And all of a sudden Zillow sells it to you for a hundred bucks. Well, that's like a lousy, in my opinion, that's a lousy way to build a business. Yeah. And yeah. you're just always at their mercy. Okay. Um, I do have a few clients that are earning some money showing houses for Redfin. What is Redfin? You know, so they're just a discount um, brokerage. You know, they'll they'll uh, list the house for maybe one and a half percent and give the buyer side two and a half percent. So it's like a four percent commission total. Um, you know, my total commission is five percent. It's a little bit more, but the way I look at it, 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 it doesn't matter what the commission is. Is what you ma- what matters is what you net, right? And Redfin has like a lot of employees. There's no, they don't have any agent that has any skin in the game, right? I'm not, you know, the business model is great. I mean, the business model like makes a ton of money for Redfin, right? Um, But you're not going to find the market expert at Redfin. I mean, there's a reason why they're there, right? And just showing homes, that's all they want to do. And that's fine. And there's probably some money to be made there, but you know, in my opinion, you have to decide, like, I'll never compete with uh, Redfin on price. Like, uh, you know, if, if I go into a listening presentation and they bring up Redfin, I go, I'm not your guy. Yeah, because uh, you're not you know, getting local I, expertise there. You're just getting a discount. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a discount, then go for it. You know, they're a great discount broker and they'll give you exactly what, if that's what you want. Because other people want something different, right? This is like your services, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. How, how, how are you willing to pay 
a little bit more for a higher level of service, higher level of understanding, right? Um, somebody that's in it and has a vested interest in you doing really well, which is you or me compared to um, a robo investor or some big brokerage firm that you're to, you, you, who are you going to call when you call them up? You're not calling your guy, yeah. right? You're calling whoever and they don't really care. Yeah. You're just a, a number to them. So, you know, it's, it's just different products, different services. I, and that's fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Redfin. I mean, they make a ton of money, and those agents who just like showing homes and that's all they want to do and they enjoy that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an interesting little business model. So yeah. cool. Well, we've hit the end of our time. JC, man, it's great to yeah. see you. I'm just flying with you. Yeah. Uh, now that we're on different airplanes, but uh, I appreciate your time um, and your expertise. I, I hope that uh, I'm sure that the things we've talked about will help somebody that may want to, or it may, it may convince them to get in or not get into it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. All right, my brother. Well, look, enjoy your day. I know you got a, a closing or something coming up. So yeah. I appreciate yeah. It, man. Yeah. Alan, good uh, chatting with you and anybody who's interested, um, want to learn, learn more that watched the interview and had some more questions. I'm, I'm an open book. Call me, email, text me anytime. Great, man. That's great. I appreciate it. All right, man. See ya. All right. Thanks, Alan. Bye.